Right on radio. Right on radio. Hello, Right on Radio. How are you doing? This is Eric, ready for another Saturday sermon. And I want to remind you that um, on the hour after this, so an hour from now, uh, we will be doing our Sing and Pour celebration. So if you are in Telegram, come to the main chat and you can join in the live uh, prayer and worship and uh, intercession time. So please come be a part of that. We'd love to see you there. So it's been a few weeks since I did my last teaching, and I kind of teach in series and some sometimes, and so but there's a four week gap in between them, and then there's three other teachings in between. So um, I know that might be a little hard to follow sometimes. But last time I did uh, on a teaching on the spiritual gifts, and it was based largely on First Corinthians twelve thirteen and fourteen, and so I'm going to. Now, that was an hour long, and that's a lot of stuff there, and so I didn't get to cover everything I wanted to about it, so I'm going to do a little wrap-up on that, um, and some closing thoughts on that, and then I'm going to also teach on something else, and what I'm going to teach on is the most important thing. So what do you think the most important thing is? And I have a question I want to ask you. Have you ever been torn down? I'm sure we all have. And I'm sure we've probably all done tearing down of others at the same time. But what does it feel like when you're torn down? Versus, what does it feel like when you're built up? And how do you feel after you've torn someone down? And versus, how do you feel after you've built someone up? Um, It's an important question to ask. Um, And I wanted to share a quick story. I've spent two summers of my life on a summer-long missions trip. And on this one, it was the Continental Singers. I was 25. And we basically went around North America, visiting almost every state and a couple of provinces in Canada, uh, doing concerts at churches and um, presenting the gospel and stuff like that. Now, uh, I joined them. I didn't go to their boot camp and everything. I actually joined them mid-tour after like their second show. I actually went. It's kind of a neat story, but I'm not going to get into that. But they had called <clears throat> my... Uh, the director of the group had called my church and said, hey, what kind of a church are you? Are you guys, you know, are you a, are you a charismatic church, you know? Um, and and our, our pastor gave the answer. So when I joined up with them in San Antonio, Texas, I was told to never speak in tongues in front of anybody on the tour, which I thought was a weird request to lead with. Hey, thanks for joining the tour. I got to talk to you, though. Don't ever speak in tongues. And they asked if I did speak in tongues, and yes, I do speak in tongues, but you don't ever have to ask me to do that because I don't just go around rattling in tongues. Um, That's not what it's for. Um, But I knew where they were coming from, is we had people from all over the country on this group, and some indeed came from churches that believed that not only was that not good, it was bad. Um, It would, like, demonic or something. Anyone speaking in tongues is doing it from the devil, you know. Sure enough, we were in the Northeast, and we were on a, in a church on a Sunday, and in the middle of a concert, the pastor came up. So we were pretty much their church service, you know. And um, the pastor came up, and he was talking, and, and then in the middle of the pastor talking, this old guy jumps up in the back, and go, he goes, blah, 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 in some tongues. And you could just sense the tension, you know, in, in the choir. I could see the looks with my peripheral vision. Some of the girls were like, oh my gosh, Satan just entered the building. And 
so the guy did his thing and the pastor had an interpretation and it was for the director and his wife who are newlyweds and he gave the interpretation and he went on and we finished the show then obviously on the bus to our next stop there was the conversation and the conversation ran the gamut of I don't think that's God you know and one girl from Hawaii shared how you know she didn't like charismatics because they told her she wasn't saved if she didn't speak in tongues and um, you know there is just the whole gamut around it and I don't know why that's the one gift that gets the um, gets the gamut so get, gets the focus it's just one of the gift and it's actually the least of the gifts unless there's an interpretation so there's also a lot of beliefs um, that gift the tongues isn't for today and you know I'm sorry to say that's not biblical either um, if that were true then there's nothing spiritual that's for today like the idea was being that you know the Holy Spirit showed up that first century of the church but then got the ball rolling and then the Holy Spirit doesn't need to be a part of it anymore because God doesn't want to be a part of your life so he just wanted to get the ball rolling and now you're on your own and then when the printing press came along and now you got the written Bible well now you don't need the Holy Spirit because you got the written word I'm sorry those fall flat on their face they're not even biblical things but I wanted to go in and uh, read a little bit of um, in first Corinthians so now we've been studying Acts so think about it you know it's funny so they got together they needed to replace Judas so they drew straws yeah you know but then the Holy Spirit comes and they get empowered by the Holy Spirit then Peter stands up and speaks and boom the whole church grows by 3,000 that day and, and then all the spiritual stuff starts happening you know the Holy Spirit came they were started speaking in tongues everybody could understand in their own language what they were saying then healing started happening and miracles started happening so Paul is addressing this and he says in 1st Corinthians 12 1 now concerning spiritual brethren I don't want you to be unaware we add the word gifts there it's not there now concerning the spiritual stuff um, I don't want you to be unaware and the word spiritual there is pneumo oh wow pneumaticos so um, he's basically saying regarding all the spiritual stuff I don't want you to be ignorant and if you go four weeks ago to end of that I'll go a lot deeper into that um, and then he says sorry I'm, I'm turning off the strong stuff real quick he says now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord and there are varieties of effects but the same God who works all things in all but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good one is given the word of wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and distinguishing of spirits and various kinds of tongues and other interpretations of tongues but one and the same spirit works all things distributing to each one individually just as the spirit wills so the idea is it's there's manifestations of the spirit and there are gifts of the spirit that are um, that's the charisma so that's where the charismatic term comes from there's varieties of ministries diakinesis if I remember correctly and varieties of effects or miracles so uh, there's different manifestations of the spirit and they're there for the common good and Paul talks about how we're all body with one members but you know hey not and then down in verse 20 
8 of chapter 12. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and various kind of tongues. So tongues is on the last of the list, right? All are not apostles, are they? Or prophets, or teachers, or workers of miracles? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Earnestly desires the greater gifts, and I will still show you a more excellent way. And then he goes in chapter 13, which is the love chapter. So he frames it all, this is all about love. So if you're not doing it with love, it doesn't matter what manifestation of the Spirit you're doing it in. If it's not guided by love, it's, you're just wasting, you're clanging gong. You're like a bong, you know, you're just making noise. And then he says in verse 14, chapter, chapter 14, verse 1, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And he basically says, For the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for their edification and exhortation and consultation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more so that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. What, and then what is, okay, I don't want to go out of that part. And then he says in verse, chapter 14, verse 39, Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Okay, what am I going with that? There was a guy on that tour who, who came from an assembly of God, and he did speak in tongues. And uh, they never, we never slept, and the, the way the Continentals worked is you go to church, do a thing, and then families would take home a number of you, and you'd spend the night there, wake up in the morning, eat breakfast, they'd drop you back off, get on the bus, and go to the next location. Um, the only one night was he and I put together in the same place, and that was on purpose. They were afraid that if we were going to get together, we were going to have this charismatic party or something like that. Um, and so I didn't understand why there was such a uh, concern about that. almost a fear about it. Um, and I talked, but that night I talked to him and I got his story. Now, now, I want you to think about this. Let's say you became a Christian and on your own, the Holy Spirit started manifesting. And let's say it was tongues. And so you had this prayer language. You could pray, you know, you're praying with your spirit. And, and Paul says you're edifying yourself. And all this is great, and then all of a sudden, someone comes along and tells you, oh, if you pray in tongues, that's of the devil. So you are having this neat, intimate gift between you and the Lord, and then some people in church say it's demonic. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to go get with the, the other people that pray in tongues, and you're going to, you know, the, the anti-tonguers and then the tonguers, right? And then you're going to get together, and then pretty soon they're going to start saying, well, they're not even saved because they don't have tongues. And you can see where that escalates. And, and, and it's just, that's just the enemy doing the division he does. And so I have to say this, it says right there, not all pray in tongues. Often in Acts, once someone was saved and baptized, or sometimes before they were saved, the Holy Spirit showed up and that's how they knew they started speaking in tongues. So yes, it can follow the believers. It should. But that doesn't mean everybody has it. And Paul says right there, do not forbid the speaking in tongues. I'm sorry if you tell your people in your church that it's demonic, you're forbidding it. 
If I tell you don't do that, it's demonic, I'm pretty much forbidding you from doing it. So any pastors or preachers or ministers or denominations that preach that, I'm sorry, you're in violation of the word of God because you're forbidding it, the people that are under you for even being open to it by telling them that it's demonic. And if you go to a church that believes that, or that's taught, or it's the doctrine of the church, I think you should find another church. Because to be honest with you, one, they're violating the word of God in that. But two, they may be hindering, maybe inadvertently, they may be hindering the growth that God has for you. Because the word edified there is to build a house. It's to build up. And just like we thought about at the beginning, we don't like being torn down, but we like being built up. If God has the manifestation of the spirit of tongues for you, it's because he's giving you something that you're going to need. Now, isn't it nice when you go somewhere and you're built up? Like, have you, if you've ever gone to a church or gone out with lunch with a Christian, gotten coffee, and they really built you up, and you walked away from there feeling stronger and encouraged, and, and your faith has grown from it. Isn't that nice? Well, the gift of tongues is so that you can give yourself that edification whenever you need it. Now, it's not just for yourself, but if God gives you the gift of tongues, it's because you're going to need it. And if you need that in your life and you don't have it in your life because you were close to the idea of it because of something some pastor or a doctrine denomination had, well, I don't want to be them when they stand before God because they're for, they, they kept you from having that something God wanted you to have. That's on them. But if you weren't even open to it and so you didn't even try to ask God if he wanted it for you, that's also on you. So tongues is a wonderful gift. You can edify yourself anytime you want. And if you don't have the gift of tongues and you want to get edified, you need to go somewhere where people are operating the other manifestations of the spiritual stuff to get that edification. So it's kind of a superpower in a way. And as long as it's building you up and with that building up, you're not just doing it on yourself, but it's you're using that being built up to serve others and to do good. That's a really good thing. So please, don't listen to what your church necessarily says. Read what the Word of God has to say about it and ask God if He has it for you. And if He does, He'll give it to you. And if He gives it to you, great. Utilize it. If He doesn't give it to you, great. You don't need it. Don't tell people that have it that they're, that they're possessed because they're doing it because that is not scriptural either. And if you have it, don't tell people that don't have it that they're not saved because they don't have it because that's not scriptural either. So does that kind of address the whole thing about tongues? I hope it does. Um, I don't know why it gets to be such a confounded thing, but it, it, it tends to be the one gift that, that divides churches and people and Christians over, and it really shouldn't. It's something you have or you don't. Um, if someone has a, you know, any of the other gifts, like encouragement, we don't go, like, well, sorry, that was only for the first century, so you can't encourage because it's not a spiritual gift. Really? Come on. So, but... Where I wanted to go with it now is kind of what I hinted at. So in the smack dab in the middle of Paul talking about all the spiritual stuff, he says, now let me show you a greater way. And he goes into this whole chapter about love. Well, love is what's most important. Is it not? 
What's the greatest commandment? I love it. They, they try to trap Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, he didn't, and, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest commandment is love, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so that means it is okay to love yourself. Um, you don't want to love yourself and nobody else at the exclusion of others. But you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you're really crappy at loving yourself and I'm your neighbor, I don't want you to love me with a crappy love, to be honest with you. And if I'm crappy at loving myself, I don't want to love my neighbors that way. So it's okay to learn to love yourself well. And so that you can also love your neighbors that way as well. And that's similar to how we love God. So love is a very important thing. And I did a word search in 1 John. Now, what do we know about John? John, in his writings, it's kind of funny, he, uh, he refers to himself as the beloved disciple. Now, it seems a little arrogant, you know. Well, there's all, there's 12 disciples, but I'm the beloved one, right, you know. But he kind of was. And he kind of deserved the thing because when Jesus was arrested and everybody split, he didn't. He was the only disciple that didn't leave. He was there when Jesus was crucified. He was there at the cross. He didn't flee. And he's the only one that wasn't uh, uh, martyred for his faith. They tried, but it didn't work. All the rest of them were martyred. And, um, and when you look at John's writings, it, it loves everywhere in there. So I just did a word search in his book of 1 John. There's 24 verses with the word love in it. And it's only two chapters long, two or three chapters, right? And there's 30, it's used 30, the word's used 36 times. So let's look at this. For 1 John, these are all in 1 John. So chapter 2, verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. 2.15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 3.1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God? And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. 3.10 By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother or sister. 3.11 For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. So that's 1 John 3.16. We ought, and, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 3.17, but whoever has the world's goods and he sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So if you have the means to help somebody and you don't, 1 John 3.18 Little children, let us love, not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. 
3.23, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he commanded us. 4.7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And then 8, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And 9 and 10, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And verse 10, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then verses 4, 16 through 21, I'll use the word love. We have come, oh no, just a second. It disappeared. Okay, here we go. So, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. In verse John uh, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. lot about love right i, I kind of picture john as like this like you know uh, for lack of it kind of like a, a hippie love person he's all about the love right he he was i mean he writes more about love than the other apostles it's all over that book and then if you look at the gospel of john which is where he learned it from so when he wrote the gospel of john he was also coming from that perspective of love is the most important thing. And he learned love from Jesus and he learned it so well that he did not leave his side when the rest of the disciples forsook him. Um, so, okay, in John eight forty two, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he has sent me. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Thirteen thirty five. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We heard John say that, right? 1421, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. 1423, Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. 1424, he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the Father which you hear is not mine, wait, and the word which you hear is 
is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 1431, but also that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. 159, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. 1510, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 1512, this is my commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you. 1513, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. 1517, this is my, this I command you, that you love one another. 1519, if you are of this world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but, but I chose you out of the world, this, because of this, the world hates you. 1726, and I, may have made, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known to them, it's talking to the Father, so that the love which you have loved me be in them and I in them. And then the last um, uses of the word love in the Gospel of John. Now we know that Peter, uh, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to betray me three times. He goes, never! And he did. He betrayed him. So Jesus restores him. and says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. One, I love that story. I love that Jesus restored him. He gave him the opportunity to undo the three denials. But isn't it neat? Do you love me? Tend my lambs. Do you love me? Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. And now unless you're a pastor of a really big church, it's probably really not you know, a big money-making venture. Now, with mega churches these days, it can be. You know, if your church has over 10,000 members, being on staff at any level while you're visible, there could be some, uh, you know, some, some, something that people like about that. Um, and if a church is that big and successful, they might have the funds to actually be able to pay you pretty good. But, you know, a lot of times pastors don't necessarily make a lot of money. Um, sometimes they do. Um, but I just love here when, when, when Jesus, not only was he giving that to Peter, he was also teaching that the motivation to tend Jesus' sheep and to feed his sheep and to tend his lambs is because you love Jesus. And how many of you have experienced something in your life where you interacted with a pastor or a church or a minister or an elder or whatever where they weren't coming from that? Um, maybe they liked the position, maybe liked the power, maybe they liked the authority that they had, um, and they were coming from that. You know, it, it's way different, and you can tell the difference when someone is shepherding you because they love the Lord so much that they want to tend to His lambs as best as they can and the most like Him in the way He tends His sheep. 
It's a way big difference, and you probably have can attest to that. There's probably been people in your life that had a, a, a position of spiritual responsibility over you that came from the right heart, and you might have had some that haven't. And night and day experience. Um, but the most important thing is love. It's the greatest commandment. In the middle of Paul talking about spiritual stuff, smack dab in the middle of it, he puts the chapter on love. John won't stop talking about love, and he learned it from Jesus. I mean, I love that verse. This is how they will know you are mine if you love one another. And yes, I'm bringing this up for a reason, but it doesn't matter. Um, this is always true, and it's always a good thing to ask. If someone were a fly on the wall and watched your life, and they saw how you interacted with people, what you thought and talked about people behind their back, or when you're by yourself, would that fly on the wall view of your life, and I'm speaking to myself here too, I don't think I'm pointing fingers, I'm not, you know, um, would that person with that viewpoint say, man, they're one of Jesus's because they love, they love one another, um, you know, yeah, all of us fall short in that, um, but we should all strive to do better in that. Um, how good are we doing at loving one another? In our community, in our lives, in our families, in our sphere of influence, where we work, where we worship, where we spend our, our, our free time, how we spend our free time. Um, would anybody walk up and watch for a minute and say, man, this is a really loving person, or this is a really loving group, or this is a really loving congregation. I can tell that they're Jesus' disciples because they love one another. And how can we improve that? Well, God is love. So obviously, the more time you spend with He who is love, the greater the chances that's going to rub off on you and you grow in love too. I have only grown the most in love when I had spent more time with God. I can't increase my love or the quality of the love that I give on my own strength, on my own volition. It isn't going to happen. I'm not love, but He is. And if I spend time with Him, He starts to rub off on me. And in the meantime, I've grown in love or grown in the quality of love or my capacity to love, it's because I've been spending time with him. And if you see someone that's really, really loving, I would tend to bet, and you'd probably win the bet, that they spend a lot of time with God who is love. Because that's the signature. That's, that's how you tell. You know? Peter tended Jesus' sheep because he loved Jesus. It wasn't that he loved being the shepherd over the sheep, it was, do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Well, guess what? We're all sheep. And some of us are in positions of shepherding. But how we treat each other is how we're treating his sheep. And if we love him, we're going to love each other. 
And he even says, you know, if you don't love each other, you don't love me. Ouch. Ouch. How can you say you love God and not love your brother? Ouch. If your brother has need and you have the means and you don't share with them, how can you say you love? If you don't love him, you can't love me. Like, it's, it's that important. It's that important. And so, even in our manifestation of the Spirit as we move in them, it means nothing if it's not love. If it's not coming from love and driven by love. And God is love. I, if you were to define love and make a list of all the characteristics of love, if we could make an exhausted list of that, God is not bound by those things. It's not that God is restricted by what is loving. It's not that he can only move within the boundaries of love. He is love. Love is defined by him. Love gets its definition and its boundaries from him because he is love. There's a big difference. He is love. If you spend time with him, if you get to know him, if you spend time in his word, if you spend time with his son, the living word, if you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you will grow in love. If you spend time with other people, as they move in their manifestations of the Spirit, you will grow in love. And if you have the gift of tongues and you utilize it so that you can edify yourself, you will grow in love. See how it works? It all kind of ties in and fits in neatly. Um, so, in a body of believers, whether it be the Right on Radio community, whether it be your church, whether it be your family, whether it be your circle of friends, maybe it's your community, um, even among believers, there's going to be personality clashes, there's going to be differences of opinion and agreement. And one thing that we can do good if we will always in our interactions saying, okay, is this loving one another? Is this edifying? Meaning, is this building the house? It's a construction word. It's building, it's actually like constructing a house. If it's not, then maybe it shouldn't be spoken. Maybe it shouldn't be done publicly. Maybe it should be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you know, we can, we can talk one-on-one. -on -one. We don't have to do all everything in front of everybody else, you know. If we were here in person, you might take me aside and say, Eric, I had a problem with something you said. Okay, let's talk about it, right? You wouldn't necessarily stand up in the middle of a family, you know, Thanksgiving and say, I have a problem with you. You know, this isn't Festivus, right? Um, you're airing your grievances in front of everybody. Um, so that's something I think that we can do in our lives in this community and elsewhere. Um, you know, that, that, that old adage, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. Well, no, it's okay to speak truth. It's okay to speak the truth in love. And sometimes speaking the truth in love is confronting things. Uh, we all have the right to free speech. We all can speak freely. We all should speak freely. But we should also utilize that freedom in a way that's going to build up. Because if you're a Christian, that's an important thing. Um, so don't forget that the people that we are interacting with, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And according to what we just read in the Word of God, if we don't love one another, how can we say we love God? And that's not to say, well, you didn't, you weren't, it's not, don't reverse engineer that and say, well, if you did something unloving to someone, you must not be a Christian, ergo you should leave because you're not. It's not what it's saying. Don't go there and don't let someone go there with it. But we can always look at ourselves and say, hey, am I doing this in a loving way? Am I building up the body or am I tearing down? Um, am I loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself in this? Because we can all grow in that area. And if we do grow in that area, um, it helps us and it helps everybody. And it helps the world as well. So wow, this is actually going to be a shorter teaching. I could have gone for another 25 minutes. Man, I should have made it longer. I'm kidding. Um, so given that, just to recap, we're supposed to build each other up. And one of the manifestations of the Spirit is the gift of tongues. And if God gives you that gift, or, you, and, or if you want the gift, ask. If you want it, ask. If you get it, try it. You know, I mean, it, this is this, this, as far as it should go. Now, I have the gift of tongues. I don't have the gift of interpretation. I've never interpreted. So if I felt like I had an interpretation, I might speak tongues in front of somebody, but only if I knew there was going to be an interpretation. And if I spoke in tongues and there wasn't an interpretation, I would apologize for speaking in tongues because there's supposed to be an interpretation. So I'd say, does anybody have the interpretation? If they didn't, then I'd say, okay, you know. Um, but it's okay. It's so you can build yourself up. And then all the other gifts, or that gift with interpretations, it's meant to build each other up. So we are, we are here on this earth to love one another and to love God. We are here on this earth to build each other up. And we can use the gift of tongues to build ourselves up. And as we're built up, that should lead to us being able to build up others more. And the perfect opportunity to do that is going to happen in about 20 minutes on our singing pour. If you haven't joined our singing pour, please join us. It'll start at, see it's 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Um, sometimes they're an hour, sometimes they're two, sometimes longer. We basically just uh, pray and wait on the Lord and, and pray together. Um, sometimes people sing songs. Uh, sometimes people pray. We take turns. You can raise your hand. But it's really neat to see people growing and moving in their spiritual manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Um, and every time I've been able to stay in for a, a large part of it, um, or the couple times I've been able to be the whole thing, I've, I am edified by it. So I would encourage you to come and join us and to get edified as others move in their gifts. And if you want to move in your gifts, you can edify the others. Um, and that's a great thing. And you'll see people in our community that maybe you haven't seen them in, 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 in action, you know. Uh, and I tell you, man, we've got some prayer warriors in our group. We do. Um, there have been answers to prayers because of what's going on in Singapore some miraculous it happened so uh, please come join us uh, if you're going to be shy for a bit that's fine um, hopefully you'll grow in your gift as other people use their gift and hopefully the fruits of the spirit will grow in all of our lives as we use our gifts ministering and building each other up so that's the teaching for now um, it's one of my shorter ones but that's kind of good for you because now you got a good 20 minute break before that starts so you can maybe go get 
get a snack or coffee or something or go to the bathroom or whatever. So anyways, thank you for being here. And let's close in a quick word of prayer. Father, you are love. And Lord, we're called to love. And if we love in our own strength, it's not going to be the greatest. But if we love in your strength and if we follow your model, Lord, our love can actually be good. So Abba, help us to spend more and more time with you so that you who are love can rub off on us and make us more loving, Lord. Help us to be lovers of you with our whole mind, soul, bodies, heart, mind, strength, all of us, Lord. With our entire being, help us to love you. Lord, help us to love ourselves well and love our neighbors well too. Father, we can't do that on our own but we can do that in you. So we ask you to come and fill us with your love. Love us, Lord. Love on us. Let us experience your love. Let it change us. Let us let it make us more loving and let our interactions with people as time goes by be more and more characterized by love. We ask it in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus Christus, Jesus our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So be it. Be blessed. Be loving as much as you can. Spend time with God and we'll see you at Singapore in just a few uh, minutes. God bless and take care. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.